بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اما اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا ما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح واسك الله عز وجل تو ميك اور سيشن هير اوف جريت بينيفيت تو اس and allow us to uh, become, uh, take effect from the Qur'an and allow us to practice on whatever is shared. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Inshallah, let's please close in the gaps and move forward, move up. Inshallah, sisters also who are attending and uh, live here, request you, inshallah, to please sit close together, away from the walls, and uh, come forward, inshallah, here as well. The brothers are requested to sit as close as possible. Jazakumullah khairah. So we'll go over a few different verses. Uh, mashallah, every day we're reading a juz in a quarter. So there's so many different verses that can be uh, spoken about. But we'll try our best to, to choose a few. Uh, hopefully Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to take benefit from that. Bithinillahi ta'ala. Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned in Surah Yunus, Ayah 57. He says, Ya ayyuhal nasu qaja'atkum mu'idhatum min rabbikum wa shifa'un lima fi sudur wa hudan wa rahmatun lil mu'mineen. O people, indeed, an advice has come to you from your Lord, a cure for that which is in the, in the hearts, a guidance and a rahmah for the believers. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, Say, bifadlillahi wa birahmatihi, qul bifadlillahi wa birahmatihi, fabithalika falyafrahu. That people should rejoice over Allah's grace and Allah's mercy. It's far better than what the disbelievers and others are gathering and hoarding. So basically, the attributes of the Qur'an have been mentioned here. O people, number one, Qur'an has come to you, mu'idah, as mu'idah means piece of advice, right? The Qur'an is sincere advice from Allah. Wa'ad is, well, you don't have any ulterior motives. It's straight, you're trying to benefit people. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Qur'an is filled with genuine advice to human beings that if you follow it you will benefit if you don't follow it it's going to be your own suffering who did this benefit come from you know benefit I mean, who did this whose advice is this advice can come from an old friend advice can come from a parent advice can come from a sibling it's from your caretaker from your lord who loves you cares for you so imagine how beautiful this advice is going to be how on point it's going to be how relevant it's going to be because it's coming from the very god and very lord who created you and who's taking care of you and nourishing you number two this quran is not only a piece of advice good counsel it's shifa it is cure for these diseases of the heart so ulama say that this disease of the heart that's mentioned here is both physical diseases and spiritual diseases. So if a person recites the Quran with the niyyah of shifa for physical or spiritual illnesses, Allah Azza wa will give him, grant him that shifa. We have to have this conviction that Surah Fatiha, Qul Falaq, Qul Nas, Ayatul Kursi, all the ayats of shifa in the Quran, and many other verses, when recited with the niyyah of cure, when recited with the niyyah of, of uh, you know, benefit, we will get physical benefit. You know what? Because this Qur'an is so powerful, it's supposed to get us into Jannah, away from hellfire, allow us to cross over the bridge over Jahannam at the speed of lightning. So to get rid of a headache, I mean, you don't think the Qur'an can do that? Right? Small thing. What is a headache? What is a stomach ache? What is, uh, you know, small little issues that we have? Nothing. These are simple things. 
if bigger things of the Akhirah are to be taken care of through the Qur'an, why can't our simple small issues of this world get taken care of through the Qur'an? Like for example, Allah says in Surah Al-Nuh, Rabbakum, seek forgiveness from your Lord, in kana ghaffara, He will accept your forgiveness, He will accept your repentance. He will send down the rain pouring upon you. He will assist you with wealth, وَبَنِينَ and sons. So there was one person, he said, you know, they don't have any children uh, for many, many years. He attended one dar somewhere and the scholar was mentioning this ayah. And he said that, seek for, this is from Surah Nuh, seek forgiveness from Allah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you rain, Allah will give you wealth, Allah will give you children. He went back to his wife, he said, you know what, we've tried everything, let's start doing this now. Every single day, let's sit down and make abundance of istighfar. They've been married for many, many years, they weren't blessed with any children. Abundance of istighfar, but now with conviction, with yaqeen, thousands of istighfar every single day with the niyyah that, Ya Allah, you, your Surah Nuh, you mentioned that you will grant people wealth and children if they seek forgiveness. We're asking you now that through the wasila and through the, through the help of istighfar that you grant his children. And it was just a matter of some months, Allah Azza wa then actually blessed them a child. Right? So it's about conviction. When person, another person was suffering from uh, you know, some other type of illness, actually a student, he was, he, was, he, was not, he was feeling sick for many weeks, different medications. One week I asked him, how are you doing today? He said, Alhamdulillah, I'm doing much better. I said, what, what, what are you doing? He said, I recite Quran, but I just changed my intention. I said, I'm going to recite Quran with the knee of Shifa. And as soon as I started reading Quran with the knee of Shifa, literally, Alhamdulillah, in the matter of a few hours or a few days, Allah Azza wa cured me from whatever sickness I was, I was having. So the reality is, it's all about the conviction. Whether it's Surah Fatiha, whether it's Ayatul Kursi, whether any you're reciting, recite it with Yaqeen and you'll see Allah Azza wa will give you what, you what you need. And then not only physical, physical diseases, the bigger problem than physical diseases is spiritual diseases. We have a very big problem of hasad, we have a very big problem of, uh, of jealousy, we have a very big problem of hatred, we have a very big problem of love for uh, you know, fame and name, love for material things of this world. All of these things are, are, are very damning type of spiritual diseases, it will ruin a person. So similarly a person should recite the Qur'an with the niyyah of clearing, cleaning his spiritual, uh, you know, his, his soul from these spiritual diseases. Wahudan, it's guidance. So whoever follows the Qur'an will find hidayah in it. And lastly, warahmah, it's mercy. Lilmu'mineen, forever who believes in it. Because if someone doesn't believe in it, then unfortunately he won't benefit from it. But if you believe in the Qur'an, you'll find it to be filled with mercy. Then Allah Azza wa Jalla asks us to rejoice, to be happy with the grace of Allah and the mercy of Allah. The ulama explain that the Qur'an is like the, the, the grace of Allah and the rahmah is the sunnah of Rasulullah that explains the Qur'an meaning as Muslims we should be very happy that we have the Qur'an there's no reason for us to be impressed by anyone when, while we have the Qur'an there's no reason for us to be impressed by any book while we have the Qur'an you, you probably have heard the incident where Umar was just simply browsing through the Torah and he was very impressed in something he came across and he just read it out loud. And the Prophet ﷺ was there, he was just browsing through the Torah and he was reading it. He said, oh, this is very interesting. <laughs> what he didn't realize as he was reading, that Rasulullah's color of his face was changing. He was getting angrier, angrier. Right? Nabi ﷺ, when he would get angry, what would happen, it would seem as though like a pomegranate had been burst on his face. Right? Meaning the face would become red. Like the juice of a pomegranate, if it were to splash on you. Similarly, that's how Nabi ﷺ's Mubarak, blessed face would... would um, flare up with anger. So Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu kind of nudged him, you know, to look, you know, get, look, get, off your, get the eyes off the book and look at Nabi alayhi salam. So when he looked up, he saw the Prophet is super angry. Immediately he went down on his knees. And he said, We're pleased with Allah as our Lord, Islam as a religion, and Muhammad as our Prophet. So then the Prophet he said, that if you're reading Torah, if the 
prophet upon whom the Torah was revealed. If Musa was alive right now, he would not have been able to find salvation except by following my way. So if Nabi Musa, if he was alive, he would have to follow my way. Now he's not here and you're reading his book in the presence of me. Meaning, many times we find people today get impressed by this bestseller and that bestseller. But subhanAllah, they never had time to simply even study the Qur'an. That's a sad part. Right? Never had time. I just heard one scholar, mashallah, someone sent a clip of Mullah Sajjad Nomani. He was saying, okay, people think it's, you know, uh, uh, zina is haram and that's sinful. He said, okay. Lying is sinful, of course, right? Drinking is sinful, drugs is sinful. All of these sinful. But he said, these are not the only sins. He says, not making an attempt to understand the Qur'an is a greater sin than all of these sins. He said, not making an attempt to understand the Qur'an is a greater sin than all these sins. I know at the age of 60, it might be very hard for a person to go study 60 years of Arabic. Okay, at the age of 10, it's very hard. Women uh, in their 50s and 40s might find it hard to study Arabic at this late age. Okay, you don't have to study Arabic to understand the Qur'an. The Qur'an, alhamdulillah, the, uh, the, the meanings of it has been translated in so many languages. The tafsir of it has been written in so many languages. The roots of it, you know, lectures have always been given, recorded you know, in cassettes and CDs from the old era and now on, online. You know, so the person needs to make an effort to understand what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying. That he said is a bigger sin than all sins. Because why? How can you actually know how to lead your life and what you should do and what you shouldn't do if you don't study the Qur'an? Right? Under the guidance of scholars. If we don't do that, how will we be able to understand the Qur'an? So this is something we should all make in the blessed month of Ramadan. That we will inshaAllah... Uh, you know, connect ourselves with the, with, the, with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reading through the translation of the Quran, reading through the tafsir of the Quran. You know, I was at a recently speaking at an interfaith college event, iftar. So I, at the end, I spoke uh, you know, about the 2000 Khatma Quran cards. And I told everyone, you know, please, the boys, girls, make sure you take this card and uh, fill it up and uh, you know, work as a family to finish up one khatam and then do another one, another one. So inshallah, by the end of Ramadan, we can have done uh, quite a bit of Quran and we're trying to make a goal of you know, 2000 Khatma Qurans from our community. So at the end of the talk, afterwards, you know, a few non-Muslims came up to me and said, can we have a card? I said, here you go. Now they're sitting there, I see on another table discussing what to do with this, right? They see the, the, the juice one, juice two, juice three with the boxes. So then I went up to them and explained to them. And they're like, can we participate in this? Is it only for Muslims? I said, no, it's for everyone. You can participate. Now how do you participate? I said, you pick up a translation. Pick up the translation of the meanings. And you go bit by bit, you cover the entire Quran. Right? Read through it. And every time you finish one quarter, mark it. And so on, by the end of the month, try to finish the whole thing. And imagine if, imagine if how many Muslims, not any this past week probably we've given, you know, we've given three shahadas here, alhamdulillah, in, in our salam or four. Right? What happens if you ask these people, a big chunk of these people have actually, you know, studied or read through a few surahs, the translation, and hit them, you know, touched them. How many non-Muslims you and I know who've actually read the entire thing? There's many actually. But unfortunately as Muslims, very few of us can say who are sitting here that I have read the translation of the, you know, attempted translation of the Qur'an from cover to cover. Uh, when are we going to get to the tafsir? If we haven't even gone through the tarjama, right? So this is something we need to understand that this is not good. It's not good. We have to, we must understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. You'll see today people give khutbahs, bayans, lectures, and they quote such ajeeb things which are nothing. There's some, some, maybe Rumi said something or some, some time, you know, New York Times bestseller wrote in a book. And they say, but Quran kya hai This is a verse of the Quran. Like, what are you talking about? Where, you know what a big statement that is? You say, this is the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Has nothing to do. Nowhere in the Quran is this mentioned. But people just randomly say that. You know, in many of these interfaith events, many random places where khatibs are giving khutbahs who don't have a formal training, unfortunately. But they will randomly say, Allah says in the Quran. 
And you say, where, where, where man's Allah be having Sultan? There's no revelation of this sort. Where are you coming, coming from? Because we haven't read it. So we should make this niyyah that we should, inshallah, make, become students of the Quran. Right? Cover to cover. Before we pass away, how are we going to face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without having read the translation? And you know, we'll cover to cover. And alhamdulillah, we have tafsir in this masjid on Tuesday nights. Right, whether, wherever you are living, if you don't live here, you, you, know, you can come if you're, if you're too far away, at least listen online. But if 45 minutes a week, if you give 45, 50 minutes a week, inshallah, in 10 years you'll get somewhere. In South Africa, they have a very nice tartib in many masjids where they have after Salatul Fajr, a short tafsir, 7 minutes. 7 minutes of, uh, of tafsir, that's it. And mashallah, in 11 years, they finish, or 10 years, they finish the entire Quran. So when I was studying in 1999 or 2000, I remember I attended one, uh, one khatam of tafsir. Right? It was 3,000 people for the graduation. They took Mawlana Abdul Hamid Saab 11 years to complete the entire Qur'an. And they were, certificates were handed out. And there were people who, who passed away. So their sons came and took their certificates. Many 11 years is a long time. Right? So those who were consistent for whatever basis, and then after the father left, and then the son continued, the sons came and took the certificates. It was amazing. So mashallah, he made a second round of that. He's already completed second round. I think now he's maybe on his third. So this is not the only place. Other places as well in South Africa where this is happening. But yani, my point is, it's not going to happen overnight. If you make a niya of over 10 years, no problem. Start somewhere. Then over 10 years, I'm going to cover to cover. I'm going to go through the, uh, through the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's amazing. It is seriously amazing. Tafsir is something, you know it's endless. When you pick up, if you go to the Dar es Salaam library here, may Allah allow you have to give you the tawfiq to go visit there one day. Right? It's not a top, a top copy museum. You have to go to Turkey or something. Right here, just go. Just go to the seminary building after this dars finishes. Someone will take you or I'll take you. You go visit. Open up the library and say, okay, where's the tafsir section? Go see. From where to where is this tafsir? This is nothing. This is 1% of 1% of 1% of what's out there. Really, it's endless. Just in Surah Fatiha, just on, just, no, no, not Surah Fatiha, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, you will find maybe 60, 80 pages written. Then on Surah, this one tafsir, and then another tafsir will have another 60, 80 pages, and it's not repetition. There's new things in there. And then Surah Fatiha, you might have 300 pages, 200 pages written. Right? SubhanAllah, there are some people, some ulama who have written an entire volume on Surah Fatiha. Right? It's unbelievable what effort is, is done on the Quran and how the, it is genuinely a, an ocean that has no bounds to it. Right? This is the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pouring down. This is illa That tafsir is from the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's not our ilm. It's from the ilm that Allah has given humanity via revelation and so forth. So it is very beautiful, is what I'm trying to say. There are, there are so many different types of tafsir. Tafsir is not one type. Tafsir, there is riwaya also, there's diraya also, there is rabtul aya also, there's riwaya, tafsir of just narrations. Then there's tafsir of where you would derive uh, fiqhi rulings. There's tafsir in which they are, uh, you know, focusing on the lugha, on the, in the language of the, of the Quran. There's tafsir in which you're focusing on the qira'ah. Right, there's tafsirs that are focusing only on the connection from one verse to the other. That's it. The whole, how many volumes? 30. We have Nadmul Durar, Fi Tanasubil Ayati wa Surah. There's 30 volumes. Just how is one verse connected to the next verse? What happens in between? We're not talking about that. How is Wala Yastaqdimun connected to Qul Arayitum? Right, that's it. One ayah connected to the other. 30 volumes on that. Subhanallah. So we should all make this niyyah that we are going to become students of the Quran. Insha'Allah. And then we'll get the hidayah from it. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was saying that فَبِذَلِكَ فَلْيَفْرَوْا You should rejoice. Be happy that you have the Qur'an. Today, we see a person becomes hafid. And then he says, he becomes a hafid al-Qur'an. 
And after that, his mom and dad said, Bhai, jalo, jalo, quickly, quickly, leave madrasa. You've fallen already behind two years in school. I think this one statement is so poisonous, it would have been, been better for him not to memorize the Qur'an than for a parent to say this. What are you talking about? He memorized the entire Qur'an when 99% plus 99.999 do not know this. He achieved something amazing. And then what do you say? You've fallen behind in school. Hurry up. Imagine what type of you know, disrespect and ungratefulness and ungratitude is this type of statement. Fire falling behind what? Why don't you say you've beaten the whole world? Every single person in your high school, 5,000, 4,000 people in that school, four, 5,000 students in your university, you're ahead of the rest because you've memorized the Quran when they don't even know that this exists and this is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What type of statement is it that we've fallen behind? So then when we, tie, when we, create, this we create this inferiority complex within the Hifufaz, that you know what all you are have done is just memorize the Quran. Yeah, we throw a big party. We like to, you know, it's the trophy Hafiz and mashallah, this, that. But deep down, is the honor there? Is the respect there? That you know my son is Hafiz, I don't care about anything else. That's it. As long as my son's Quran or my daughter's Quran is solid and strong, the revision is strong, they know the meaning of the Quran, I could care less about anything. I'm going to stop comparing him with someone who's got into this professional school, that school. I don't care about that. Is that the reality of the parents? Unfortunately, no. Most parents, they're not like that. They're, they feel like, okay, this is some little thing we did, but the main thing is we got to quickly get back to school. Quickly, because you are falling two, three years behind. This is opposite of what the Quran is saying. فَلْيَفْرَحُوا The Quran says you should rejoice over the Quran. هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَا يَجْمَعُونَ Because the Quran is far better than whatever, whatever they are gathering. They are gathering not just money, it's degrees, it's fame, it's name, education, money, homes, everything. Whatever they are gathering, the gift that your son and daughter has in his chest is far superior to that. Let's understand that. Because if we don't, then we are being ungrateful to this gift. And that is why you see, many hafad then unfortunately today, they turn back against the Qur'an. They could turn back against Islam. Because from day one, they're being told that you haven't really achieved much. Yeah, you spent two, three years on that, but you got to get on with the life. Everyone is getting ahead of you. You look at your cousins, look at your siblings. So these type of poisonous statements, unfortunately, speak of the weak iman of the parents. And the kids, it's not their fault. Whatever they're fed, they're going to take. So parents need to understand what they're getting themselves into when they put their son and daughter in a hips program. Really ask yourself, do you want to do this? Do you truly appreciate it? If you're going to go in, then you, this should be something that you value all the way. Okay. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, the Musa alayhi salam story. And one of the things he mentions here is how the, the, the kuffar and the disbelievers of the time of Musa alayhi salam, they responded to him, they said, قَالَ فَلَمَا جَاءُوا الْحَقُّ مِنْ عِنْدِنَا When the truth came to them from Allah, قَالُوا they said, إِنَّ هَذَا لَسِحْرٌ مُبِينٌ Indeed, this is very clear sorcery. Right? قَالَ مُوسَىٰ تَقُولُ الْحَقِّ لَمَّا جَاءَكُمْ أَسِحْرٌ هَذَا Musa alayhi salam said, do you really say this about the truth when the truth comes to you? That this is sorcery? If, if I am a sorcerer, I'm never going to be successful. Because magicians are never successful. قَالُوا they said, Ajitana, are you bringing us such a revelation? To turn our attention away from that which we found our forefathers doing. Are you trying to distract us? Are you trying to distract us from what we found our forefathers worshipping? And are you trying to gain simply honor and, and, and grandeur in this earth? We're not going to believe in you. Firaun said, okay, if he's, if he's got done magic, I want you to bring every knowledgeable magician over here. Allahu Akbar. When they throw their staff, قَالَ مُوسَىٰ مَاجِتُمْ بِسِّحَرِ Musa alayhi salam said, no. I don't, I don't have sorcery. مَاجِتُمْ بِسِّحَرِ You are the ones who brought sorcery. And guess what? إِنَّ اللَّهَ سَيُبْطِلُهُ Indeed, Allah is going to break sorcery. I, I, my thing can't be broken because what I brought isn't sorcery. 
What you brought is actually magic. You're blaming, you're claiming that what I ha- you I have what you have. No, it's two separate things. I have revelation which cannot be broken. I have miracles which cannot be opposed, and what you have is magic which can be broken. In Allah la yuslihu amal al-mufsidin. Allah will not allow the actions of those who cause corruption to come right. Wa yuhqu Allahu al-haqq bi kalimati. Allah will establish the truth with His words. Walo kariha al-mujrimun. Even if the disbelievers and the sinners do not like that. So. What is, the, what is magic? It changes, the, it changes the attention, right? Magic has the ability to, uh, you know, make people, uh, you know, uh, play with their minds. And so this is what, what's happening here, is that revelation comes, and what happens? People are living in, in a whole darkness. Today, non-Muslims, you speak to them, all these other people, you speak with them, in the high school students, college students, whatever the case may be, so confused. And when you bring the beauty of Islam one-on-one, you speak to them, they say, man, this is amazing. I never thought about that. When you talk about, literally, if you talk about traditional gender roles that Islam speaks about, you speak about, uh, you know, you, talk, you speak about uh, haya, modesty, you speak about tawakkul, you speak about taqwa, which non-Muslim is going to get, you know, not, not going to understand that. I was speaking, I told you this event recently, and I was speaking about shaitan, and how fasting protects a person from shaitan and nafs. SubhanAllah, I had this old Christian lady come up to me, so moved, and she said, you know, I'm surprised and so amazed how, you know, similar our deen is with your deen. Right? This is, this is something that no one speaks about. But this is the truth. This is the reality. The truth is, people want to accept the truth. People want to listen, but we have to talk about it. So what happens? That what they've been told elsewhere, outside, the whole foundation is shaken when they see real Islam. And that's why previously they used to call Islam and Muslims and prophets, what? Magicians. Because they say, how did you, how did you like, yeah, take our people away from this? This has the power of magic. When real Islam is presented properly, properly to people, people will flock towards it. And they will give up all their isms. The ones who are average people, not the, not the, you know, uh, the tawaghit, the shayateen, the big ones. Right? Qatilu a'immatul kufr. As Allah calls them, the imams of kufr. So imams of kufr, leave them. But the average person, you know, he goes with the flow. But see, so today, society is going with the flow. And, and, and if you say, I mean, really, if, if uh, uh, you know, subhanAllah, I was one day dressed like this, going to a bakery to bring some stuff here for the masjid. And uh, a person comes up to me, said, oh, what's, what's the occasion? I told him, no, it's nothing. I'm the imam of the masjid. I dress like this every day. <laughs> and on top of that, it's Friday too. So, you know, you might see others dressed like this too. Oh, subhanAllah, you're Muslim, you go to... I say, yeah, we're on this such and such masjid. Have you seen it? He said, no, I haven't seen the masjid, but I've seen masjids before in Israel. I said, oh, really? He says, he was a Jewish person, a secular Jew. But after a few minutes, he started talking about the fact that, you know what? He's, he's like, I've, left, I, I've pretty much left religion, and like most Jewish people are, are very secular. They're just culturally Jewish, but they don't really practice the religion. Even it's weird, kosher, 80, less, than eight, less than 20% from the Jews eat kosher, or care about kosher. Although they lobby for it because they say kosher is our identity. Right? It's pretty interesting. I wish Muslims would understand that. Here we're sitting having wars over Zabiha, non Zabiha. And you know, we should be Chick fil A is halal and Fulan is halal and all this nonsense, right? The reality is, subhanAllah, halal is your, is your identity. If all the Muslims started demanding halal on campus, whether they eat it or not, that's what the Jewish people do. I know certain students here at the University of Chicago were telling me that that's exactly how it works. The Jewish students lobby for it, and they get it, even though they don't care about it. They're secular. But they are told that, you know what, if you do not uh, support this, then our identity will be weakened. Right? That's so true. So Muslims need to rally around halal. They need to demand halal. If we start creating, even if you're not eating or care about it, at least for the sake of our identity, we do that. So he said, you know, I'm a secular Jew, but you know what, now I'm sick and tired of what's happening today. These 
the way liberalism has taken over, woke culture has taken over. This is not I grew, how I grew up 40 years ago. I'm actually thinking of making a comeback towards religion, you know. So my point is, people really need to hear the truth. And how it will take them, it will take them like a magic, right? SubhanAllah, their hearts will turn. But we have to be willing to speak to them and present, them, uh, present to them the truth. Allah, Nabi, Nabi Musa and Nabi Harun, eventually, they, they, they said, Ya Allah, we're done with this group of people, Fir'aun and his people. Oh Allah, destroy their wealth. You know, uh, attack their hearts, attack them, because these people... Uh, they will not believe until they see the painful punishment. They're not going to believe it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, O Musa and Harun, both of your du'as have been accepted. But, so remain firm. Remain firm. Ulama say, after this ayah was revealed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed Fir'aun 40 years later. 40 years later, du'a has been accepted, but by the time the manifestation of the du'a came about, what happened? It was 40 years later. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's, there's delay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purposefully delays things. But there's no such thing as andher. Andher means darkness. There in Urdu, there means delay. Andher means darkness. So there is delay at times to see the manifestation of your du'as being accepted. But there's no vulma, there's no darkness to say, oh, I, there's no hope. There's always, there is hope. There has to be hope. What is that supposed to mean? There is hope. 100% there's the hope there's hope only with Allah and you're not going to find hope elsewhere but it takes time for things to happen Allah Azza wa Jal then you know uh, moving on to Surah Hud lots, lots of things the story of Nuh alayhi is powerful few points in here how you, you study the response of the people of Nuh to Nuh alayhi salam very similar to what's, what happens to modern day disbelievers the disbelievers and the mala, the powerful, noble class from the disbelievers told Nuh alayhi We regard you as just a normal human being like us. Why? You're not so special. Right? You're not so special. And we, are, we see that your followers are the ones who are at the bottom of our economic class, socioeconomic class. They're the lowest, the poor people. Who are very shallow thinkers, who are very simple-minded people, simple people. They see the sadelog. They're the ones who follow. And Aradiruna, they're the ones who are at the lower class, they're the ones who earn less, who have less education. They're the ones who are farmers, peasants, they're the ones who are following you, subhanAllah. Today as well, what happens? People want to see, you know, where is the, the who's who? If the who's who, the big shots, the influencers are going somewhere, that's it. That's all. They'll go run towards that. Right? Influencers themselves have no education many times. Absolutely, unfortunately. But it's just about hits, it's about, you know, views, whoever somehow. <laughs> the social media log- algorithm somehow promoted them <laughs> and then overnight they become Shaykh al-Hadith because why? they've got million views and 9 million views and 10 million views recently one Shaykh uh, Shaykh Didu from Mauritania MashaAllah Tabarak wa Ta'ala you know uh, there's a clip of his that came about MashaAllah for those of you who know in Mauritania and there's a lot of ilm of course and there's a lot of memorization from Loh you know it's an old traditional system in West Africa and some parts of East Africa where they memorize their books everything is memorized everything is written on the board even Quran Mus'haf is not they don't have a copy of the Quran like this they write the sabaq on there you memorize it and it's erased gone you're never going to see it again <laughs> none Right? SubhanAllah. So there's not like us reviewing. You have to, there's no opportunity there. You have to recite every single day whatever you memorize, right? SubhanAllah. So it's called the Loh system. Still, still till today, that's how it's going on. And we're thinking that, no, we think that technology is very good. What happens? Technology makes us useless. Because over dependence on technology, over dependence on apps, over dependence on all these things, 
Now you have Hufaz reading Quran from where? From smartwatches. Right? What's going to happen? When, when, and you have big the Tahajjud Quran. You've seen that? The tahajjud, digital Tahajjud Quran. It's a huge one like this. Okay, and previously you used to flip the pages. Now it's, it's automated. So literally, I've seen this. You press a button and it's just in, you know, digital. The Quran pages move and he's mashallah doing the best muds imagining. But he's reading right from the Mus'haf right in front. And then some masjids actually have TVs in front with the Quran being presented on the TVs and the whole Tarawi crowd is following along on the TV. Right, watching as... As they're reading, I mean, like, where are we headed? So technology is beneficial as long as you use it within its appropriate means. And when the hudud, when you let it rule you, then big horrible things start happening. So these people, what do they say? That the simple people are following you, who are very shallow in their thought process. And so today, people judge. I was talking with Sheikh Dedu, right? So that you know, his somehow his interview, one interview of his became viral. Did you see it? Any of you see it? Yeah, see? So, yeah. Otherwise, before that, people in the comment section, we never heard of him before. MashaAllah, the students of knowledge know him, been listening to him for years. But now what happened? When they heard that, they're like, oh my God, this is, this is, we've never met anyone like this. Because MashaAllah, he's able to recite from memory the sanad, the chain of narration from him all the way to Rasulullah Anything you say, fart, 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 like, you know, it's like, you know, they're like, this is better than this AI chat, you know, a GP chat, whatever. They said, this is chat GP, this is something else. But, that's how, that's one scholar that somehow got famous on YouTube, not even famous, that famous on YouTube, but a little bit. And everyone's like, oh my God, this is Alim. Exactly. You don't know what I am. People come to me and say, oh, this Alim, yours, this scholar. I said, brother, you haven't seen our teachers. You have not seen our teachers. They're nowhere. You type them up, you're not going to find them on YouTube. You're not going to find them on Google. They have no Facebook page. They have no Twitter account, nothing. But when you go sit with them, then you'll see real knowledge. What you're seeing outside is not real knowledge. This is a, a, a reflection of the reflection of the real giants. Right, those giants. I remember when I was um, doing ifta, one classmate of mine, he he uh, he wrote you know he, he wrote a fatwa, and he was, I mean, subhanallah, he was a simple guy, you know, very simple person, mashallah. But he, this takalluf adab, how to speak, you know, he wasn't very refined in speaking. From his, he was, he was from one part of the world where you know it, I guess it was different culture. So anyway, he wrote the fatwa. Mufti Sab said, you know, rewrite it, incorrect. So he wrote the fatwa again. And uh, I think Mufti Allah Al-Aqsab told him to check up the very famous, amazing tafsir of Allama Alusi, tafsir Ruhul Mani. He said, go check it up there, you know? So, so, so check it up such and such volume. Tafsir Ruhul Mani, the all the students of knowledge know this is an amazing, deep, deep, deep tafsir. Um, so he wrote the fatwa again, and then he came and told him, Hazrat, uh, in, in Arabic, he told him, Alhamdulillah, uh, I, I concur with your, with your research. This is what he said. <laughs> you know, I concur with your research. Uh, and I found, alhamdulillah, I also found in Tafsir Allah al-Mani what, you know, what he was mentioning. So Mufti Sahib usually doesn't respond back. But this time he responded back. He said, Bhai, fark itna ye hai ki aapne kal raat dekha Tafsir al-Mani mene atara saal pehle dekha tha. You know? He said, you checked Tafsir al-Mani last night and I looked at it 18 years ago. I checked it 18 years ago. I'm telling you from memory, from 18 years ago, check up this volume under this ayah, you'll find what you need. And you checked it up last night. So, and now you say, I concur with you. Right? So that's what it is. It's the reality is these ulama we haven't seen. I hope you all can at least witness them, see them, to see what is true, true knowledge. You sit them, you sit and you ask a question and they'll just go on and on from this book, from that book and, and you're just like, how is this possible? Are you reading off notes? I mean, I would, I would sit with in, in our own class, we'd sit and we'd see our ustads. They would read a hadith and then they would sit back. Lean against the wall and start. One hour lecture, bhai. One hour. There's nothing written in front. 
There's nothing written in front. It's just freight from the mind. And it's not stories like I'm sharing with you stories. It is just tahqiq. It's all academics. Right? This ayah, this hadith, this verse, and how to deduce this, and someone said this, then the answer to that is this. If someone says this, the answer to that is this. One, two, three, four, five, six, ten. Ten objections, ten answers. And then go to the next point. Another ten objections, ten answers. We, ha- we would get tired of writing. Forget about retaining. We would, our, f- our fingers would get blisters. We'd, our pencils you know, would get blunt. We'd have ten sharpened pencils one after another. Because one gets blunt and use another one. The one gets blunt and another one. From the time the bell rings till the time bell ends. One hour, 60 minutes, no fluff, no jokes, no talks, nothing. Straight up knowledge pouring out. And we get tired of writing. We're never going re- to review it. We're never going to retain it. And here, this is every single day for the past 30, 40 years. And then the same book that they teach, been teaching the same book for, let's say, Sahih Bukhari or, or Jamia Tirmidhi, teaching for 30 years. And now what happens? Still, every single day, getting up two hours before Salat al-Fajr to, re- to prepare, to prepare, to read, to read, to read, to read. So what I was trying to tell you is that people today don't understand where real ilm is. They think eloquence equals knowledge. They think charisma equals knowledge. They think good a backdrop of a, of a YouTube video inclu- in, means knowledge. They think grooming your hair well and putting on some cream on your face equals knowledge. That's not how it is. You know, so this is where we are in a very big problem because people have misunderstood knowledges. The real, if the real ilm is there by people who are, who are regarded as nobodies. No one wants to go visit them. No one wants to go uh, you know, speak to them. Um, that's it. Everyone thinks ulama are the ones who are famous on YouTube. And so they'll say, oh, you went to South Africa, did you see so-and-so? Abai, subhanAllah, he is a student of a student of a student of my teacher, for example. You know what I mean? You don't even, you're just going over the famous people. Stop to focus on famous people. Focus on the real ilm that is the ulama have. Right? Go visit them, ask about them. You say, I don't know about them. Well, if you look around, you'll find. Go, you have to go visit. You're not going to find the doctor here, and you're not going to find the alim in the hospital. You have to go where those people are. Go to, if you go to the Karachi, go visit the Madaris. How many people go to Karachi? How many people go to Lahore? How many people go to Delhi? How many people go to Hyderabad? When was the last time we said, okay, we're, we're going to spend all these two weeks with our friends and relatives, but one day we are going to go dedicate time to go visit. MashaAllah, our bhai over here, he was going to India. I said, bhai, you know what? Why don't we arrange a trip to go visit the Madaris? Never went. He was from South India. But I said, okay, alhamdulillah. Had one alim meet him in Delhi. Took him over a whole trip to Deoband, to Saharanpur, and to Lucknow, and all these places. Until now, he cries thinking about that journey. He said, how in the world did I meet these giants, these ulama? You know, just, it was simple. It was a fikr he had. I connected him with a scholar. And he, he flew in from South India to Delhi, specifically to go visit the Madaris. You don't have to be some grand mufti to go visit these places. We should, be, we should have ourselves have talab. Like people go visit museums. People go visit, go visit the madrasas. Go travel. People who come to Dar es Salaam here, pray Jummah, pray Tarawih, 20 rakats uh, for 29 days, for the past 10 years. Not once they have tawfiq to go to the library. Not once they have tawfiq to go visit the classrooms. What is this? This is a place of ilm. Go watch. Go look at the students. Come during the day. Come at Dhuhr time. See the students in action. Look at them. It's ibadah. Look at the students sitting there writing, taking notes in the same manners that we were taught. Teachers teach, sitting on the floor teaching, students writing. SubhanAllah, when is that? How are we going to get the shok for anything? How are our children going to get the shok? If we just come pray quickly, uh, like put our he- keep our eyes down, accidentally, if we have to go pray in the gym, just, just look down, pray and out. Go visit. There's nothing. No one's asking you to donate. Go look. Now you, no one's going to eat you. Go look at the library. Go look at the classrooms. Come during the, come, take, tell the office that you want to sit in a class. 
Come sit. Mufti Saab's Bukhari dars that happens in you know South Africa. All these people come to visit the madrasa. The Hazrat on piche bed jate. We come sit. Alhamdulillah. Every day guests are sitting in the back. Many times ulama, but even non ulama, they don't understand. But it's okay. It's a show. It's amazing. You see wahi being taught. It's something to see. Even if it flies overhead, you're crying. You're like, wow, this is ilm. This is what Rasulullah one one hadith means. That's what I'm talking about. We have to connect ourselves back with ilm. Connect ourselves back with the tafsir. Connect ourselves back with true things, and not worry about. What the society is saying That where's the who's who Forget the who's who Mutrafeen We had a whole dedicated Half hour tafsir on mutrafeen probably In our last tafsir Those who are the You know the luxury class The upper class And, the, and wherever the Quran Speaks about them In a negative sense That the mutrafeen Are the losers right don't, don't listen to them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Then says That uh, Musa alayhi salam uh, Nuh alayhi salam Told them Ya qawm O my nation Tell me In kuntu ala bayinatim rabbi If I have solid proof From my Lord And Allah has given me rahmah What's wrong with you? You have been made blind from the truth. Do you expect us to force down Islam down your throats? While you don't want it? That's not gonna happen. If you don't have talab, if you don't have sincerity, if you don't have a desire, Allah Azza wa is making it very clear, I'm not going to bother giving you hidayat. I'm not gonna force you. You have to yourself want want to change. You yourself have to want to come close to Allah. And then as soon as you make one step towards Allah, Allah Azza wa will come running towards us. Right? And what did the Prophet say? La We're not asking you for wealth. Our ajr is with only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, now these people said, we don't want you to have these poor people around you. That's what the Quraysh told Rasulullah as well. So they told Nuh alayhi salam, push away these people. Nuh alayhi salam responded, Wama amanu. I am not going to push away the believers. Right? I'm not going to do that. Uh, they're going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are true believers. I'm not going to do that. And then, um, I am not going to tell those people who you look down upon that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to give them any good. Allah knows the truth that they have in their hearts. So many times, you know, people think that those who are religious, are uncool, not popular. This is the most common thing. Islam is not cool, and the Muslims practicing Muslims are not cool. So what we have to do? We have to make Islam into something that's cool. That's the whole point. We have to make Islam cool. Okay, I have understand you can make Islam, present Islam in a manner that is you know, acceptable to people. You can do that, but make sure in the process of making it cool that you don't lose your Islam. That's the issue. You have to... You have to you know, you want to repackage the you know medicine. The stu- the kid is not going to drink his medicine. So what happens? You maybe uh, repackage it, put some, add a little bit of honey into it or whatever, sweet, and make him drink it. But imagine, you know, you say he's not drinking medicine, so let me just replace it with with Kool Aid. How's that going to work? How is Kool Aid going to help us with his infection? That's what today is happening. That we say we have to make it acceptable to people. I agree with you, but you can't replace antibiotics with Kool Aid. It's not going to work. It's gonna, it's not, your son and daughter is not going to get any better. So repackaging is fine, but make sure the contents is the same. Right? That's, that is the uh, key thing that, that we need to have. So Nuh alayhi salam, they told him, Nuh salam, you're arguing with us. You've argued with us a lot. You know what? Bring it on. You've been saying there's punishment, punishment. Bring it on. We want to see it. If you are truthful. He said, You know what? Uh, I can't do that. I don't have a button to press. All of a sudden the bomb comes. Allah does that. But guess after 950 years, He tells them, My advice to you is not going to benefit you 
as much as I have tried to benefit you, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to allow you to go astray, I cannot help you. Done. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then said, Tika, game over. It's 950 years approximately. Whoever has accepted Islam is accepted Islam. After this, no one else is going to do it. But I've already decided, no one is going to accept any more from this crowd. So what should you do? Start building the ark. Build it in front of our eyes. Based on our revelation. People are going to come. Now look at this, this, this ayah shocks me man. Do not address me, do not speak to me about the oppressors. Those who sin and who didn't, who didn't believe. Imagine the, imagine the shafaqah and the rahmah of a prophet. 950 years, 80 or so people accept Islam. 950 years. And Allah knows His prophet, how much his heart is filled with mercy, that as soon as the flood comes, his heart will soften up and he'll start asking Allah, please save these people. So he says, no. I'm already telling you, start working on this. I've already started the p- p- plans for the punishment and destruction of all these people. But now, once the, uh, the, the, the bomb starts going off and the, you know, the, 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 the world starts being destroyed by this huge flood, you cannot beg for mercy for anyone. They're all going to drown now, except for those who accept Islam. So this is powerful. The shafaqah and the rahmah of a Nabi. That, you know, you think that you know, after three charges, you say, ja, you know, I'm done. I spoke to you three times. Allah is called Lele. Right? Allah take him. And he's screaming for help. He said, no, no, good. You deserve that. 950 years, yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Nabi Nuh, he has so much mercy that he's going to ask for help for these people. Allah says, no, that's not going to happen. Why is not full? He began to build a um, ship. Every time a group of people pass by, they start laughing at him. Oh, Nuh, you are on land and you're building an ark. What's wrong with you? Because they didn't understand what's going on. And that's why you talk about today the deen and the efforts of deen are Noah's ark. Right? That's what it is. Look, outside are, are passing by laughing. And the people who are on the deen, the people who are speaking about the haq, the people who are trying to preserve their deen, the people who are highlighting that the jali fitna, that's all around us. People say, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Hey, well, let's be with the times. Let's speak about some relevant issues. There's nothing more relevant than the jali fitna. There's nothing more relevant than falsehood being presented as truth and truth being presented as falsehood. Right? That is the most in thing. But they don't understand. So what happens? They will make fun. Get out. We cannot believe you're stuck in this type of era. You're still speaking about those topics. Let's get on more current topics. So Nuh said, "In minna." If you're making fun of us, guess what? A day will come when we will be laughing at you, just like you're laughing now. When the flood comes, you don't understand. The flood's coming. Soon you'll come to know. When the punishment of Allah will come and it will it will completely destroy people and it will completely make people forsaken and embarrassed. Our order of punishment came. Allah had ordered that the water to come out even from, from the, from the uh, bottom of the ground. Tanur in which the roti is cooked. From underneath the ground, water starts bubbling over. We told Nuh to take uh, pears from every single animal there. And ahlaka, take your family. Except those family members who have not accepted Islam. Only a few people accept Islam. Now what happens? He started. The, uh, the ship, the ark started moving. He read, Bismillah, Majareha, wa Mursaha, inna Rabbi Rahim. started, you know, guiding the ship. Now the, oh, the waves that started coming, Kaljibal, are as high as the mountains. The waves are as high as the mountains. Now, Nuh, he's seeing, he's speaking to his son. His son is there, 
was at a distance. And Nuh sees the waves are coming and he's moving forward. He says, Ya Bunaya, really, yani, these are really powerful ayats. Ya Bunaya, oh my dear son, irkam ma'ana, please join us. Please jump on board this boat and this ark. And do not be with the disbelievers. His response after seeing everything, Sa'awi ila jabal, I will soon take shelter on a mountain. يَعْصِمُنِي مِنَ الْمَاءِ And the mountain will save me from the rising waters. He says, لَا عَصِمَ الْيَوْمَ مِنْ أَمْرِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا مَرْرَحِمْ None will be saved today from the punishment of Allah except for the one who Allah has mercy on and Allah will not have mercy on the people who are not on this boat. Get on the boat. And he's trying to beg his son. Imagine the Nabi who understands Allah's punishment more than anyone else. Who understands everything about Akhirah more than any of his followers. Imagine the pain in his heart, the ache in his heart after spending hundreds of years trying to convince his community. Imagine how many hundreds of years he must have spent convincing his wife and his children. But as they're having this conversation, right in the middle of that conversation, a massive wave came in between them. Fakan al Mughraqeen, and he was amongst from the drowned ones. Gone, right in front. Allah Azza wa Jal then ordered the earth to start sink, uh, to start swallowing up the water. He ordered the sky to stop. Uh, you know this ayah. Some of the ulama have said this is one of the most powerful ayats of the Quran. Just the majestic way Allah speaks to the creation. Hey, get into action. You know how a chief will come say, "Do this, do this, do this." Do this. Similarly, Allah Azza wa Jal is speaking to the earth. He's speaking to the sky. He's speaking to the heavens. Right? The way, the power which He speaks to them. This is only a statement of the ultimate Rabbul Alamin. Right? The way the word, these words are, they've been mentioned by ulama, is one of the most powerful, amazing forms of manifestation of Allah's greatness. The, mount, the ark parked at Mount Judi, and the declaration was made that all the oppressors, they are gone. They are, they are mal'oon, they are cursed. Now, he gets off the boat. begins to make dua to Allah. Allah, my son is from my family. My own blood. My own blood, my own DNA, my own genes. I know your your promise is the ultimate promise, but you are the most you are the most just of those who make decisions. You are the most powerful of those who make decisions. Ya Allah, please, is there any way you can make some concession for me? Is there any way you can try to you know get a way out for my son? Immediate response. Ya Nuh, He is not from your family. Because his actions were not good. He's not your family. Stop saying he's your family. Yes, he's your blood and your DNA and genes and everything. But because his actions were not good, he's not from your family. Do not ask me about things that you have no knowledge about. You do not know. I've already decided that he died with iman, without iman. There's no way he's going to be forgiven. I warn you, I give you advice. I give you advice. From doing such things that would make you from amongst the ignorant people. It's a very heavy word. I, I warn you, I advise you, don't do anything that will make you from amongst the ignorant people by asking what forgiveness for a son that has died in kufr. Immediately, Nuh he, he realized his mistake. Rabbi, O oh Allah, I, I ask you protection from asking you that which I have no knowledge about. Wa illa taqfili. Immediately now the tables turn. Now, huh? Ya Allah, wa illa taqfili. If you don't forgive me and you don't have mercy upon me, I will be from amongst the losers. Subhanallah. Look at this, bhai. Nuh alayhi salam, 950 years. Now he's worried about his own neck. Because why? I made a mistake. I shouldn't have asked about my son. This is who Allah is. 950, where is it? Yeah, I mean today, people have the, the audacity to say, oh, you know, I've been Muslim for 15 years. I prayed namaz for 10 years. My, I still didn't get into medical school. What is that supposed to mean? This is the type of things people say. What Islam, what has Islam done for me? 
Right? What are you talking about? What has Islam done for you? What kind of statement is this? Nuh alayhi salam, 950 years. Could he not boast? Could he not say, Ya Allah, 950 years? I worked so hard. that You mentioned in the Quran itself. Come on, can you not just give me one thing I'm asking you? No. You have no right. If you ask, guess what? Your own akhirah is in jeopardy. And he understood that. Immediately he's begging Allah to forgive him. And to ask Allah to shower his mercy upon him. Otherwise I'm going to be a, be a loser. This is who we were dealing with. Understand the greatness of Allah. We have no right to claim anything upon Allah. Allah is Allah and we're His makhluk. Allah is khaliq, we're makhluk. We need to show humility and humbleness. My beloved friends, this story of Nuh salam, much can be said about it. But one point is that we have to make a lot of concern about ourselves and our children's iman. Do, let's not take it for granted that I'm in the masjid so my son will also be in the masjid. I'm, I come for taraweeh and so my daughter and son will also be connected to the masjid. No. This is a nabi. But yet, in the Quran it's mentioned how his son, unfortunately, was deprived of iman. And so we don't know if our children are Muslims today, what will happen tomorrow. And we don't even know about our own selves. But we need to make sure that we are very concerned. Because you see that there's this crazy level of apathy. Crazy level of apathy within the community. I, don't, I haven't met, I don't meet too many wealthy fathers who say alhamdulillah I've got so much money mashallah beta you just relax and chill because I got more than enough money for the second for the next two three generations instead no he's making the son work as hard as he did because he says no you got to stand on your own feet he's got millions he says no but you have to do three jobs two jobs you have this education that education he'll put him through all that stress because he says I don't know this money's not going to last forever he it could I mean if he invested properly it could be enough but no every man has to have his own thing but what about the deen that son and daughter that we are saying you have to study in this education, that education, what about their deen? Have we taught them iman? Have we taught them Islam? Have we taught them the faraid? Have we taught them the fiqh of marriage and divorce? Have they, have they known the seerah of Rasulullah This is the problem. The level of apathy. It's, when I speak to parents to encourage them to send their daughters here for the one-year program, for the sons here, they just look at me like, what are you talking about? What's going to happen about our dunya? What's going to happen about our money? Wallahi, what, is, what are you talking about? You have more than enough. And we're not telling you to to leave the dunya. We're saying, please, simply take a few months to study the deen and then go into the dunya. Who said leave the dunya? Our deen doesn't teach us to forsake the dunya. But you have to spend some time learning the deen. This is my, my humble appeal to all of our fathers and mothers listening to me. That please, your sons and daughters, whatever age they are, encourage them, push them, use every means you have to send them to an institution of deen, to a madrasa, to spend a few months learning the deen. This is necessary. This is fard, fard, fard. It's your job is not to simply give them a job. Your job is not to simply get them an education and wealth. Your job is to give them the deen by which they will be able to remain Muslim till the end. And Nuh salam's story should be a wake-up call for us. That we should not sit, relax thinking that since I'm a Muslim, my kids will obviously be Muslims. And the, the tide of irtidad and atheism is, 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 is like this moj. That's what it is. It really is, I promise you. The way the whole moj and the flood came and killed everyone except for those who were in the ark, the way this postmodern fitnas and the atheism and the jali fitna is coming is just like that flood. And except for those who jump on the boat of deen, of a traditional deen, of following the sunnah of Rasulullah of holding on to the tradition of the ulama, of haq, we're gonna be, the rest are going to be lost. So we have to ourselves board the ship and we have to bring our children and make them board the ship as well. 
with hook or crook. Use whatever means you have. But we have to make sure that this happens. I ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He not test us uh, with these type of issues. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant all of us full yaqeen on the verses of the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all and our children istiqama and our iman. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us all to remain students of the Quran, students of knowledge. May Allah allow our children to become and remain students of the Quran, students of the deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala connect us with the true, righteous, pious, God-fearing ulama. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us always to be on the truth, no matter where the world goes towards. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati amma sifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqi Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Bi rahmatika ya rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.